0: Welcome to the final Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We've got a lot of things to look at when it comes to this market trade this week. A lot of balls in the air, fingers in the pot, however you want to look at it over the next oh, 36 to 72 hours. Some effects that we're going to see on these markets come Sunday night when it reopens and then of course throughout the trade on Monday. Weed harvest might be taking a little bit of a pause because of the uh, weather that moved through Kansas, which is, which is a good thing for those folks needing the rain. But we're going to find out how that's all affecting the market trade as well. Well, Kyle Bumstead joins us. He is with Allendale Incorporated. And I think, Kyle, because you've got some context in the, in this wheat harvest that's underway, what are you hearing from guys as they're out there in the combines?
1: Well, uh, for the most part, it's been better than expected as far as quality and, uh, bushel-wise. I mean, uh, some of your, your foreground is doing that 15 to 20 bush lake like you did down south, but you, the further north you get it typically has been getting better as it's history and, uh, a lot of 12, 13% moisture, 62 to 65 pound test has been coming in across the scale.
0: Number-wise, we've heard the protein, and and really this has caught many by surprise at the quality that's there for this crop.
1: Yeah, for sure. It really has. And, you know, as a producer um, with harvest here, there's a lot of decision-making here in the next couple of weeks of what do we do? Uh, with, uh, with those bushels here off the combine because some have a few days, some have a month, some have, some don't have much time to price those bushels coming off the combine. And, uh, seasonally, uh, the cash, uh, hard red winter wheat index has, does take a dive going into the first part of July here. Um, and then after the first, uh, first couple weeks in July, we seem to, uh, to get a little bit of rally in the cash wheat side, uh, usually 10 to 20 cents. I think on average, a five year average is somewhere between, uh, 13 and 15 cents. So, uh, that may that may or may not help some producers in uh, deciding what to do with those bushels off the combine.
0: What are you hearing globally when it comes to, to this wheat market? Um, I know that there has been some weather concerns in the Black Sea region. Is that still going to be factored in? Or are we going to see some benefits for this great crop that's coming out of Kansas and Oklahoma right now?
1: That's, that's a possibility, but... Uh I mean, when we start talking about Russia, I think last time we, we talked about uh, the reliability of those sources uh, of the weather over there in, in, uh, in Europe and in, in Russia and the Black Sea region. I, I don't know if you can really ever trust their models 100%. Uh, but South America is having a little bit of an issue. They uh, have cut down their uh, planted wheat acres a little bit in Argentina due to the dry weather and uh some things like that china's been maybe kicking the tires on buying some hard red winter wheat from us as well so that may have an effect here and technically we've sold off really hard this week and so i would look for a little bit of a bounce here to start the week i mean we've stopped the combine here and it's time for a little bit of a harvest rally in my opinion
0: july options let's talk a little bit of how that's affecting the trade
1: uh, you've got some movement here, especially noted in the in the corn today. A lot of the a uh, lot of the volume was taking place in the spreads. People uh, July options go off uh, a week from today. As a matter of fact, first notice day is on the thirtieth, and a lot of people are moving their July contracts out to like September into corn, or even a little bit further on out in soybeans, and uh, moving them out in the wheat as well.
0: What are we seeing for this for this corn market? We had talked earlier this week during the Fontenelle final bell that there was some some concerns out there, especially in, in Minnesota, some areas of Wisconsin, where it's just getting dry. And we saw the dryness talked about as well in the Western Corn Belt, but we were fortunate enough here to get some much-needed rain overnight.
1: Right. Uh, the rains have been, I want to say, general but they've also been spotty as well uh talking producers in minnesota and south dakota that were needing some rains and even north dakota that's even worse needing some rains up in there they did catch some of these rains uh, some places not a lot but enough to maybe get them by until the next uh, system moves through and there's a lot of areas of western iowa eastern nebraska that did get some generalized you know one to two inch rains even further south in southeast nebraska there was even you know some bigger range you know four to six inch rains coming across there as well and down through central kansas i know that dry land corn needing to drink down in there as well and a lot of areas got it the far western edges maybe not near as much but uh there, there was a pretty well generalized rain and, and here in northern illinois we're forecasting we get some rain here over the weekend as well so it's in general moving across and i think the trade's going to be watching that sunday night going to be looking for those rainfall totals and how far east did it go did it go you know, out to Indiana and Ohio, out to the to the eastern corn belt, and uh, pick up some of those areas where it's a little bit dry as well.
0: So, Kyle, do you think at this point we can definitely say we we've come into this weather type of related market, at least for the near term?
1: I would say yes. The calendar, uh, the calendar, and and the weather say yes. We're probably in that weather time frame. I just don't know, in my opinion, how much it's going to move as we see this as we sit here
0: good to think about. You know, uh, we were talking earlier, actually, before we even started the Fontanelle final bill, and and you made a really great statement, because we continue to hear lots of talk about China, but you said, let's get the confirmation before we get the reaction, and I think we've had a lot of that going on, where we're just kind of knee-jerk reaction on what's going to happen with China, whether it's beans, hogs, ethanol, but no real confirmation to come back with it.
1: That's correct. I mean, we've heard the last couple days about them buying a couple cargoes of ethanol, but what happened to it? Where is it? Any anything further? And like I mentioned earlier, maybe in the market for some uh, hard red winter wheat as well. What happened to it? Maybe buying three to five cargoes of soybeans. It's good. It's good news to prop the market up. But I think in order to keep it going, we're going to need some sort of confirmation that this has actually happened.
0: But it's got to cause for some nervousness within the trade because every time they get that reaction, you know, the markets and China and not getting the confirmation, it's just a, a constant rubber ball bouncing.
1: It is. And we're not sure what the next uh, headline is going to be as far as politically. The, the trade talks in Hawaii went well, but then shortly after there were some headlines crossing social media. Well, we can possibly cut ties with Beijing if we want to. And so it's, it's still headline driven quite a bit
0: very much so we'll stick around folks we've got a lot more to come as we hit part two of the Fontenelle final bell we'll wrap up this trading week i want to get kyle's thoughts as to what he thought of the week as a whole and as we head into another week of markets watching the weather and beyond we do have more coming up it's a fontanelle final bell on the world radio network Well, welcome back to the final, final bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we continue this conversation with Kyle Bumstead. and Looking at uh, what's been happening, and before we go into the livestock side of the trade, Kyle, I kind of wanted you to reflect on this last week of trading. Um, it's been another kind of seesaw type of trade. What are you seeing, and what we learned from this week can help our producers going into next week?
1: Well, there's been some good technical, uh, some good technical indicators on the charts. The soybeans have turned up. Uh, the corn, uh, it has turned up to an extent as well. Um, we need to be watching the Manage Money Fund short that's coming out here later on today, see if they're cleaning some of that up in the corn, if they're pulling some of those shorts off the table. Where are we at in soybeans? we got a huge short in the bean meal. That could be helping us out as far as getting the crush back in line and some things like that. The wheat, I'd like, to, I'd like to see where the funds are sitting at as far as like the KC wheat, the Chicago, and Minneapolis wheat. And if we've noticed uh, here lately that any of these wheat complexes, whether it's Chicago, Kansas City, or Minneapolis, they really haven't been trading in tandem like they do in, a, in an analog type year. Yeah,
0: you know, we didn't really talk much about soybeans in the last segment. Anything else on this bean market that we need to be thinking about as we wrap up the week?
1: probably more headlines and we probably uh, will start looking out here to those extended forecasts here Uh, as we get towards the 4th of july we're going to be looking out towards that august september weather time frame the NOAA weather maps and three-month time frame just kind of give us a guideline of what we see for heat and or rainfall coming across uh, coming across the plains for finishing up the bean crop
0: jump over now to the livestock side Uh, during the commercial break you and i were talking about what was happening in the markets and we did see another drop in the box beef trade from that perspective I'm sure consumers are going, okay, so when do I get to see that drop at the grocery store at or at my favorite restaurant?
1: That's a very good question. Um, when, I, uh, when I go grocery shopping with the family on the weekends, I make it a point to a walk through the meat case, and it has not come down at the retailer. I mean, last week we took a little over $100 off the boxes, and I think we're close to $40 this week on the boxes. I don't know the afternoon cutout here, but today it was up just a little bit, but we have been seeing a significant drop in the box beef but at the meat counter, it's not coming down near as much. And noticing the load count, there's been heavy, heavy offerings as far as the beef and the pork side of things. And I'm questioning demand here uh, from the consumer if we have another round of outbreaks and people are asked to stay home, Do we get another surge at the meat case? Do they come back and buy and stock up again? Or are we sitting here in the dog days of summer? It's 100 degrees. We don't want to grill. So we're not going to go be, we're not going to buy those higher end cuts of meat uh, and stand out there and grill in the the heat.
0: So how does a cattle producer prepare for that? Because, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen in the next weeks and months ahead, but they know the backlog is there and they may have cattle in Mm. their lot that are getting ready to be moved and haven't gone yet.
1: That's a a very good question. And I would suggest staying in contact with your end users, processors, making sure you're out in front of them. I know there's cattle that were on the April show list uh, down in Texas that are still on the show list today. And they've been contacting buyers, you know, Every week saying, Hey, I've still got cattle here. When can you take them? Are you, you know, we've got to figure out a way to get through the big cattle. We're still backing up cattle. We haven't talked it. We haven't got into the backlog yet, but we are cleaning up some of the big carcasses. We're still finding some issues in the north where we can't move some big cattle or even get bids, but staying in contact with them and, uh, you know, just making sure you're out there in front of them trying to, uh, trying, trying to get some cattle, you know, on the hook basically.
0: And like you mentioned, those dog days of summer, unfortunately, we, we deal with it every year during this part of the summertime, get past Father's Day, and boy, it's tough because this year is so different.
1: It is. It is. Um, something I'd like to note, too, as far as the heat, you, we, we talked in the last segment about the dry weather and stuff like that. I want to focus kind of on those southern plains, uh, southeast Colorado, the Panhandle of Texas, the Panhandle of Oklahoma, northeast New Mexico. There's a lot of feeder cattle. That uh, could possibly, if this drought persists down there, I'm a little bit concerned about the amount of feeder cattle that could be coming in, uh, because those typically those ranches aren't set up to feed or, or hold their calves for a significant amount of time until it gets better. You know, they've pretty well got to use the hay for the cows. Well, do those feeders come to town early if this drought does persist down there? It seems to be growing uh, in, a, in a bigger area. look at the drought map,
0: well, and that makes you wonder how much more of a backlog are we going to see. Because if we've got ready cattle to go, there's no place for the new calves to come in.
1: That's correct. Background yards could get full fast, and we're still uh, it, we're still kind of we're, we're still working through those numbers. Yes, and that's where I kind of question this placement number that's coming up on this on feed with the animal assessment at ninety seven point five. Uh, if we're backing up cattle, I, I don't know as we can get. I don't know if the placements are going to be correct here or, you know, what weight bracket of placements are we placing? Are we placing bigger cattle? Are these cattle coming out bigger or, or, or what type of cattle are getting placed? That's my question. That's why I want to see the breakdown here coming out here in a few minutes.
0: All right, sounds good, Kyle. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you?
1: Hey, Susan, you can get a hold of me at my desk at 815 578 6167 or on my cell phone at 712 880 6037.
0: Thanks so much, Kyle Bumstead's been joining us today. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options do have a substantial risk of loss. They're not suitable for all investors. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all the local Fontenelle dealers. You can check this out as a podcast at ruralradio.com, wherever you subscribe, on Spotify, and on video as well through our website. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.